Hello and welcome to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my fiancé to watch a hundred musicals and then we talk about them. How have we watched a hundred, well, how are we going to have watched a hundred musicals? I didn't know there were so many musicals. I know, it's one of my favourite things is that when we started this podcast, I made a, a physical list. Where is the list? I have no idea. Of shows that I wanted to watch with you, and you, but you didn't even factor in live shows. You just factored in I was just like, like movies, films, yeah, movie musicals, and I had probably a hundred on that list anyway. But every time I was like, "Okay, we're doing this one next week," you would say, "Wow, I didn't know there were this many," and that was at like twenty, forty. Well, this is it. Like I remember we did Mamma Mia as like episode ten or eleven. You know, like. Yeah, and you were like, well, I guess that's all the musicals. That's all the musicals. <laughs> and yeah, you know, we've had a few duplicates on, along the way. You know, we've seen the last five years twice. Mm-hmm. And we've seen multiple versions of Annie. <laughs> Which obviously we had to do. But, you know, there's there's certainly been an exciting time in watching, like, the film version versus the stage version mm-hmm. vers- versus, like a whole completely different take on it, like with the third Annie film where it's completely changed what... And we do have another Annie to watch because we yeah. need to watch Annie live, which is the stage musical version rather than the film version yeah. plot. And of course... It's got different songs, different ending. It's great. You know, we've had some fantastic growth with live theatre as well. Going to theatres in London mm-hmm. to see things like Frozen, Be More Chill going to the new Victoria Theatre in Woking to see gosh knows how many how many musicals now. But it's been amazing to have this chance to learn so much. And hopefully over these previous 99 episodes, mm-hmm. you've started to get a better sense of what I like from musicals. Yeah. And you can start thinking about like, right, Danny won't like this one. Well, if it's not written by Andrew Lloyd Webber, we know you're not going to like it. I, I like Jeff Blinn. <laughs> That's probably something that surprised me the most in this whole endeavour, is that you generally really like Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals. I think he has a lot of goodwill just because of School of Rock. Yeah. And you enjoyed Cats. I enjoyed Cats. I didn't... I mean, we didn't cover this one, but we watched it during lockdown. I didn't get by Jeeves. That, Lots of people don't get by Jeeves, that's fine. That was just like a slow, dull night for me. I think you really have to have read all the Woodhouse books and be like a really big fan but, to enjoy But, you know, that. that's something I've noticed with a lot of theatre as a whole. You know, when we saw Pride and Prejudice, sort of. I didn't enjoy it because I don't have that same rich love of Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. But give me Pride and Prejudice a musical. I like her eyes. Which is like one of the best things we've covered. Right. For sure. And it's still our most popular episode to this date. Which is, that's awesome. And it's not on Amazon for free anymore. So. And there's no Spotify playlist of it. Like, <laughs> oh. You want to listen to it, you have to listen to it on YouTube. I want to listen to it and I want to see it live. Like, Bring that to the West End. Please. I think that would do so well here. I think it would. I really do. Maybe we'll put it on. Maybe we'll put it on. But yeah, it's it's been really, really fun. And obviously last week we covered, which is a, an episode we absolutely love. We covered Waitress. Mm-hmm. 
which is appropriate because like we said repeatedly last week this was the musical that really was the genesis of this podcast so for episode 100 we wanted to do something a little bit different i say a little bit different i realize the irony in having two weeks in a row where we have both seen the musical Mm. the difference is with wizard of oz whilst i have seen it and have been in it i don't necessarily remember much of this film i wouldn't say i have a real love affair with the wizard of oz but we we put a poll out and we thought the idea for episode 100 we do something that we don't usually do is we would watch a musical that we've both seen Mm -hmm. maybe not for a while but we've both seen i put up on the docket Lily Miz, yeah, with Hugh Jackman, mm-hmm. and The Greatest Showman, also with Hugh Jackman. And then you wondered why I didn't want to cover those. And <laughs> it wasn't up to me though. Thank you well, to everybody put... that didn't vote for those. Greatest Showman came second. Mm-hmm. I I chose one that I would like to have watched with you, and one that I don't ever want to rewatch. Yep. Take your guesses at which is which. Yes, and then you put forward Wizard of Oz, which won the poll. Mm-hmm. And Sound of Music. Yes, and the Sound which of Music. Which I thought would win. Yeah. And really didn't come close. I honestly thought it was going to be between Sound of Music and Greatest Showman. Hmm. That's what I thought. I'm really glad that we're going to be covering The Wizard of Oz because obviously I've got lots of experience with like the extended world of The Wizard of Oz. Have you? Are you like Wicked? Well, so I've seen Wicked a few times and I really enjoy Wicked. Mm-hmm. I might be the one person in the world who enjoyed Oz the Great and Powerful and still Southern remembers that. Movie. Yeah, with James Franco. Right, okay. <laughs> I enjoyed that. I thought it was fun. I don't think I sat all the way through that. Uh, there have been so many different like parody versions of The Wizard of Oz, like that trope of like, and you were there, and you were there. Like, there's a really good Futurama like what if episode, which basically covers mm-hmm. that. There's a Scrubs episode, which covers that, and awesome. it's great. You know, this is something that has really, really extended itself in pop culture. There's so many. And I've, I've shown you this before. We watched Wizard of Oz so many Family Guy references through the years that cover The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, and... There's a Muppets version of The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, I don't is. think it's a musical. Yeah. And obviously we've covered The Wiz. Yeah. So this isn't like it's one that necessarily has just stayed stagnant over time. But that, you know... But even based on that, I'll be really interested to see how, how much of it you don't remember. Yeah. And obviously we know there was a stage show. Yeah. And we know that Andrew Lloyd Webber also secured the rights and turned it into a full-fledged stage show with a few more additional songs and maybe a few changes. Which... The Muppets one is a musical. Is it? It has its oh, own man. songs. We'll have to watch that one then. Yeah. I think Kermit's the Cowardly Lion. Because Kermit has like a little lion thing around his no Kermit's the scarecrow oh, Fozzie is the cowardly lion and Gonzo is the tin man and, and then Miss the Piggy is things. Dorothy no Miss Piggy is is Glinda okay Dorothy's a human Fair enough. she's the main character anyway yeah I've I, I I've I definitely remember watching the film as a little kid but I don't remember watching it as an adult right and I've been in it 
I was year <laughs> seven, so that would be 11 years old mm. over in the UK. And I was a munchkin. Mm. And I didn't really enjoy it, so I didn't really go to many rehearsals. This is bad drama teacher at Confession. <laughs> Terrible. I And then, like, halfway through, my mum was like, oh, you, you how's Wizard of Oz going? I was like, oh, it's okay. I ended up going and doing rehearsals again. But, my like, two weeks before the show was supposed to go on, oh my, my mum was like, what are you supposed to have as a costume? And I was like, oh, we're supposed to look like sweets. And, and you meant, like, the colours of sweets. No, yeah, so, like, you had people who were dressed all the way up, like, quality streets like they looked like quality streets come to life yeah my mum just got me a plain white polo shirt and stapled like dairy milk <laughs> that's awesome you know you get the big big purse of dairy milk <laughs> you were a big bar of dairy milk <laughs> no 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 not even like that nice you know you just get like the big cardboard boxes of dairy milk uh-huh. she cut around like that and just stapled it on the white t-shirt and it looked <laughs> so <amazing>. bad <laughs> <laughs> and that's not a slight on my mum. That's a slight on me for giving like a week's notice mm-hmm. before the show happened. I wasn't even in the program for that one because like they thought I'd left the show. You are terrible. And I mean, yeah, year seven transition into secondary school is tough. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I direct school shows. I've seen what year sevens can be like. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of go in from being like, oh, I was I was Mr. Bumble in Oliver. I deserve a bigger role than a munchkin. Don't you know who I am? Yeah. And then there's the peer pressure. I love that. I think that's so cute. Yeah. So, I, you know, Wizard of Oz, not necessarily want to know. I was a munchkin and I did like the lollipop guild. Yeah, same lollipop guild. So I, my primary school, did the same four shows on rotation yeah. every year. And as you sort of aged through primary school, you would get a, a better part as you went through it. Oh, absolutely. It. And that system still exists kind of now. Like, I broke the mould the first thing I ever directed because I gave a year seven the White Witch role in Narnia because yeah. she was that good. Right. But, like, you had loads of older kids who were a little bit annoyed because they're like, we've done a few years. Mm-hmm. Why aren't we this role? I was like, because their audition was better. <laughs> Seniority doesn't just give yeah. you a default, but... You know, that is how some schools do that system. Well, so in my school, <laughs> we did Alice in Wonderland and yeah. The Wizard of Oz, amongst other things. My year six teacher wrote his own musicals and they were, yes, from what me. I remember, amazing. They probably weren't that good, but I was, you know, seven or eight and they were amazing. But he did a musical based on uh, the Trojan War and we had a musical based on... Um, like a bunch it was basically cats but we were all flowers growing in a in like a junkyard i am a plant and you are a plant and we are all plants please water the plants it literally was it was cats because every single kind of flower had its own chorus and all the little kids i was too young to be a main plant but we were the daisies and we were a daisy chain and like we had to go over holding hands it was really cute it was a good idea for a show but we did The Wizard of Oz and we did Alice in Wonderland. And when I was little, I had like white blonde hair. Yeah. Naturally. And so I got cast as Alice three times, three separate times from being like five years old up to being about 10 years old. And then I cut my hair and it turned brown. <laughs> just like, like Rapunzel. Rapunzel yeah literally there are like pictures two weeks apart of me cutting my hair and I went from like long blonde hair to a brunette bob 
And then my teacher was like, oh, you've got brown hair now. Dorothy. <laughs> you nice. were Dorothy. I was Dorothy twice. Jeez. And also my dog played Toto. <laughs> right. Nep- now- nepotism. <laughs> dog nepotism. I feel like we need to talk about this video of the best. Oh, my God. The best bloopers on theatres. It's not funny when things go wrong. And especially when, like, you know, you see, like, the kind of illegal videos from, like, West End shows or Broadway shows. So in this video, like, yes. one of the one was, like, the Elsa dress malfunctioning. Like, However, when it's community theatre. When it's community it's theater, always funny when something And especially because, like, you know that you're filming it because, like, oh, my friend's in it or my child's in it. Yeah, it's people filming because they genuinely are pleased to be there seeing yes. it. And one of my favourite videos ever was like that blooper of The Wizard of Oz where you've got Dorothy shouting after Toto and like the camera just zoomed in on Toto, just run it, walking forward. And he just flops completely off the stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his legs keep going. He looks like one of those... Oh, what were they called? Like robot dogs. little robot dogs, but where their front and back legs like move towards each other so they can move. It's yeah. so cute. And it's just so funny. And you just like, oh... It's one of my favourite theatre bloopers. <laughs> you know, it's always funny when something kind of goes wrong on stage, but like, as long as no one gets hurt. Mm-hmm. We saw a bit of theatre the other day. And one of the characters threw a grape. At another character. And then the grape sat on the stage for about 30 minutes. And it was so funny that I... I was trying so hard not to just lose it laughing on stage. Because it was a very serious play that we were seeing. Yeah. And no, we shouldn't have been laughing in the audience, I... but this grape was incredible. And the best thing about it was there'd be moments as well, like where the lighting would look all dramatic, but it would end up with like a spotlight, spotlight on, on the, the grape. grape. And I'm I'm losing my mind laughing at this. And I'm trying to look at the actors so I don't see the grape. I can still see the grape at the corner of my eye. I'm like giggling. I'm just watching the actors and then it gets really funny when the actors walk towards the grape and nearly crush it. Yeah. And then it en- did end up getting crushed. And I really just had to like cover my mouth so I didn't laugh. And then when the curtains came down, the people in front of us said, well, the best thing about this show is the grape. And I lost my <laughs> mind laughing. Dying laughing. And then when the curtain went back up, there was a little wet stain where they'd mopped up the grape. Incredible. And yes. And you know, there, there's certainly an element of that, like never work with, children animals or fruit apparently but we're not here to talk about grapes yes we're here to talk about the wizard of oz which is victor fleming as director who mm-hmm. i was thinking where do i recognize him from i was like no i'm i'm mistaking him with ian fleming for who wrote bond and chitty chitty bang bang yeah but victor fleming i do know directed gone with the wind it's really interesting this film was primarily directed by Victor Fleming. Yeah. Because he left this to go and do Gone with the Wind because there are a lot of problems with on set with Gone with the Wind and they yes. wanted to bring in a sort of titled isn't the word I want. You know, a well-used An director. director, yeah. Yeah. They wanted to have a really clear idea of like a director who would go in with a vision for this film and he was quite happy to leave The Wizard of Oz and go and take over Gone with the Wind. But it is really interesting, the fact that, like, his two most famous films are back-to-back. Yeah. And arguably two of those films... They're in the that... same year. Well, that's it. And the, the two films that probably have stood the test of time better than anything else. Like, he's got a fantastic CV. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, those two together are pretty phenomenal. Yeah. It comes from a book first. 
Yes, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz by L. Frank Baum. And was this the first ever attempt at an adaptation of The Wizard of Oz? Not so far as I know. I believe in like the couple of decades after it came out, there were a couple of different black and white um, silent movies. Yeah. And there was a 1902 Broadway musical. Blimey, that's so cool. But obviously the one that is the best known is this version of The Wizard of Oz. The uh, 1939 Judy Garland film. Oh man. And also, I think the reason why this got so famous compared to the other adaptations is because it was pretty revolutionary in the way it was using film yeah like the technicolor and inglorious technicolor we love glorious technicolor um, i'm just going to show you very quickly before we do talk more about the 1939 and i'll, I'll post this up on twitter and instagram i'm mm-hmm. sure but this is a promotional poster for the 1902 Those Wizard of Oz. pantaloons yeah i love them that's crazy. That mm. looks really like terrifying. Why is the Tin Woodman in a Scottish kilt? Why not? His he has a name in that version. He's called Niccolo Chopper. <laughs> very very cool. Yeah. So yeah, the most famous version, I guess, is obviously the one we're going to watch, the 1939 Over the Rainbow. Mm-hmm. Which I guess is the basis of what Andrew Lloyd Webber then adapted. Yes. When he bought the the stage rights or secured the stage rights. Yeah, and he added a bunch of songs. Um, him and I think it was Tim Rice actually did a bunch of new songs for yeah. that, including a prelude that goes into Somewhere Over the Rainbow, which is really weird. I like it. I like how it sounds, but. It's odd to add something to a song that was voted previously like, the number one musical movie song ever. Yeah. You know? So we have the screenplay adapted by Noel Langley, uh, Florence Ryerson and Edgar Allan Wolfe, and then the... Not Edgar Allan Poe. No. Well, Wolfe is spelt like... Um, Virginia Wolf. Yeah. So that's interesting. And music by Harold Arlen, who had worked on a, a load of, you know, American songbook musicals. Yeah. But the reason why this went into production is because of the success of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Yes. Because it showed that films made from children's stories could be successful, basically. And actually, at the time that Snow White came out, a load of cinemas had an age block. So you had to be over 16 to go to the cinema Oh wow! in some places in America and in Canada. And Disney had actually petitioned to have that age rating dropped so that children could go and see this film and most cinemas refused to do it. But for The Wizard of Oz, most of those cinemas were like, yep, we're going to let kids in to see this one. Well, I guess the other thing is, though, as well, like 1939 is the year the war breaks out, Second mm. World War. Yeah. So if the cinemas want to stay afloat, they're going to have to make those choices, aren't they? Yeah. And because the cinemas also became the place that you go for your news on how the war was going, mm-hmm. you'd almost have to get younger audiences in. Yeah. But also entertain them. Because I know that Snow White obviously was re-released during those times as well, mm-hmm. you know, to, to boost the morale. Yeah. So in 1938, Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer bought the rights to the novel 
and they toyed with the idea of making it a film as a vehicle for an actor called Eddie Cantor, who had a contract with them, and they wanted to cast him as the Scarecrow. However, he then got cast in something else. Because there was this big thing at the time where, still happens now, but not quite in the same way, like you belonged to that film studio. Oh yeah, no, there's the old Hollywood system that you might trade people. Like once Mm. Judy Garland had her 10 films and realistically people aren't clamouring for the Judy Garland film anymore, you'd swap. But because certain theatre chains were owned by different studios as well, so Odeon over here in the UK might have been the Disney studio and then Cineworld might be the Universal. Yeah. And once, yeah, Judy Garland's no longer bringing in the money for Disney's cinemas, they swap her for one of the Universal stars that then, you know, Mm. it's a really interesting system, but I'm glad it doesn't... really, really abusive. Yeah, yeah, really, really, really interesting idea, but very glad it doesn't exist nowadays. Yeah. Well, I guess it does with streaming, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, and like, you know, football players, sports people. Yeah, like belong to. I don't actually know anything about sports, but you know. Yeah, but I guess that's a different. I get the gist like, of that's how that works. Yeah. So, an assistant at MGM submitted uh, a an outline for the story because it had gone through several writers at this point. And he yeah. thought, I'll just put my hat in the ring. And in his version, he decided to do away with all things magical and fantastical because fantasy films did not do well in yeah. the cinema. So he, in his plan, had the scarecrow. Be called a scarecrow, but he was in actuality a man who was so stupid that the only employment he could get was Aww. as a scarecrow. The Tin Man was a criminal because he has no heart, um, and he'd been sentenced to be placed in a tin suit forever, and that this torture had softened him into somebody gentler and kinder. And, um, like, yeah, he got rid of any magic, any sense. A hundred percent sounds like a TV parody of The Wizard of Oz, right. Like I could see a Grey's Anatomy episode just like that. Yeah. Where they're like, this man was so stupid that he doesn't have a brain. Yeah. You know, and, and like a patient, you know, over that hour, one doctor having to deal with three different patients, one of them who's, you know, got no brain or is, one of them's got no heart and one of them is is like okay, anxious. An anxious to point mess, of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Same. You had the courage in you all along. <laughs> I am the cowardly lion. Um... So he didn't go with that one. Good. Uh, I don't think we'd be talking about it today if they had. No, we would not. Leroy had a new screenwriter and they had a 17-page draft just for the scene set in Kansas. Nice. A few weeks later, they ended up with 56 pages that covered just the Kansas storyline, which is a lot of screen time for the Kansas storyline. But they then hired two other screenwriters. So they now have three writers working on this story separately, none of whom know about the others. Jeez. Um, this was not uncommon at the time. No, no, I know. But it does feel like really sinister, doesn't it? Like you're pitting people against each other and they don't actually know. Yeah. However, one of them, Noel Langley, handed in a 43-page treatment and a full script for the film in the deadline that they had set for them. And he then turned in three more scripts this time incorporating the songs that had been written for the film already. And then they were then they brought on board Florence Ryerson and Edgar Allan Wolf to touch up the writing. Yeah. They needed, at the time, to make sure that the story stayed true to Baum's book. However, they had to cut a whole bunch of things from the book that then show up in subsequent Wizard of Oz. I guess it's like Mandela effect, isn't it, again, of how 
Like, yeah. that's not The Wizard of Oz, but actually it is because mm-hmm. people see the 1939 movie as, as like the definitive when yeah. actually, like, no, there's more to it. Well, like, there's a very, very bad um, animated movie called Return to Oz. Yes. Um, which has the Chinatown in it, which is a town made from porcelain china. Yeah. And all the characters that live there are made from china, so they're really fragile. So they'll do anything the witch says because they, she could just stomp on them mm-hmm. if she needed to. And that's really interesting as a concept. Like, they're so fragile, but they also have an army, which is, like, <laughs> Worst army in the world. Right? But, like, these, those characters are just willing to die. Yeah. Because that is what will happen if they get hurt. It's really interesting. Anyway. So how soon does Judy Garland get cast into it? Like, is this very much one of the first key roles she's ever had? Is this, like, a defining thing? Has she been in shows before up to this point? Well, Judy Garland had been acting since she was literally in long pants. Yeah. Um, And... They had considered quite a lot of different stars to play Dorothy, but what they wanted was a child star. So they were considering Shirley Temple. They would have had to bring her over from 20th Century Fox at the time, which would have cost them a lot of money. Yes. But at the time, they were also considering a really prominent child star called Deanna Durbin, who was quite a newcomer, but she had a very operatic singing voice. So they knew this was going to be a musical. Yes. However, it ended up being given to Judy Garland and it's attributed to contractual issues, um, which are that Judy Garland had been promised the next uh, musical movie okay. that they were going so to Okay, so they make. actually had to cast yeah. her. They, they ended up not having a choice. Um, it was a legal issue yeah. at that point to cast somebody else in that role. And to make her look like she was a preteen, they put her in a binder and you can actually see it through her shirt at some points in the film because she's wearing what she described as a corset, but it looks more like a binder by modern day standards. And it's supposed to flatten her chest to make her look younger. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. She was an adult by the time they were doing this film. I don't know why. I know it's probably got nothing to do with her and more to do with her agent and her um, legal team who weren't great people. But... I don't know why she should she would have taken this film. Other than that, she did very well out of it. And this is amazing. We're still talking about it to this day. But it's a super interesting situation. Especially because that's not how Dorothy originally was going to look in the film. Oh, really? Nope. Originally, they made her look like a baby doll. So she had a big pink, um, like baby doll dress that sort of went out to the sides more like a ballet dress kind of thing yeah and a big blonde dolly parton-esque wig and like big baby doll makeup like rouged cheeks big eyeshadow like very pink lips and they filmed parts of it and then we're like yeah no we, we can't do this this looks wrong yeah i'm glad they've kept it like there's a lot of things with this that work to make it as iconic as it is and the dorothy like costume is so simple mm-hmm. but brilliant and obviously we know that the ruby slippers are in the smithsonian you know i've seen them you know they're they're, they're so important yeah it's cultural history isn't it it is that it's amazing to think that this could all have gone wrong for one thing like would it have worked if you had 
this depiction of Dorothy. Mm-hmm. Well, so now we gain our three uh, friends, I guess. They're Co-leads, friends. I, was I guess. Say sidekicks, but I guess they're, they're much characters for themselves. So we have the Scarecrow, the Coward, the Lion, and the Tin Man. So they cast Ray Bolger as the Tin Man and Buddy Ebsen as the Scarecrow. However, yeah. Ray Bolger was desperate to play the Scarecrow. He'd gone to see the 1902 musical when he was younger and he'd seen his idol, Fred Stone, playing the Scarecrow on stage. And that's what inspired him to become a vaudeville actor in the first place. Yes. And so he went to the producers and convinced them to swap their roles. So he was now playing the Scarecrow and Buddy Epson was playing the Tin Man. Epson didn't object. The two of them talked about what they would need to change between themselves. Epson had been cast because he was a professional dancer. Yes. And they wanted to copy Fred Stone, who'd played the original Scarecrow in the musical. He did the wobbly walk thing that the Scarecrow does in this movie. I think it's very well known. It's like the Scarecrow being really fluid and wobbling all over the place. Yeah. And that's why they cast Ebsen. So he taught Bulger how to do that and then was like, guess I'll be the Tin Man. And then he wasn't. Yes, because I know that they use like aluminum dust in the paint that caused health issues and they had to recast him. Yeah, he inhaled the aluminum dust that was being put onto his face and ended up hospitalised. And so they recast him. And then used a new way to, to, to do the makeup, I hope. Yeah, so now we have Jack Haley as Tin Man. Yeah. And yes, they, they used aluminum paste instead, instead. I keep saying aluminum. We're English. Aluminium. 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 That sounds like a Harry Potter spell. It does. Aluminium! <laughs> but yeah, so we've got sort of our main cast. We then gained Margaret Hamilton to play the role of the Wicked Witch of the West and she desperately wanted to be in this film. When she heard that it was announced that they would be doing The Wizard of Oz, she called her agent and was like, get me an audition for yes. this. She went, she auditioned, she didn't care what part she got. She her just agent, wanted to be in She just wanted to be in it. She was kind of going for like any adult character, obviously, because she's an adult woman. Yes. And they Make me Dorothy. Well, and they her agent rang her and said to her you know, it's MGM. You already work on contract for them. They're more than happy for you to be in this as pretty much uh, anyone. However, there is only one role that they're willing to offer you. And Margaret Hamilton was like, cool, I'll take it. Whatever. I love it. And then hung up. <laughs> Didn't ask what it was. Just hung up. And then rang her agent back and was like, "Um, what role <laughs> have they given me? And her agent said, well, it's the witch, obviously. What else would they give you? And hung up on her. <laughs> yeah. She is... This is her best-known role. Yeah. I think everybody recognises this version of the Wicked Witch of the West. Oh, this is the iconic version of the witch. Like, when you have, like, the uh, Lego Dimensions Wizard of Oz, mm-hmm. this is the witch that they reference. This is the witch you see reference in pop culture. You know, it's great as Zelina is in Once Upon a Time, she is by no means, you know, an original role. You can see the inspiration from Margaret Hamilton mm-hmm. as the Wicked Witch of the West. Yeah. She was... She was a school teacher. Yeah, and she was... Yeah. I think 
she's the thing I know most and best about this. Between her and Dorothy, she's, I, I, I'd say, like, the most iconic she part is of this. She's one of the most iconic villains in anything ever. Yeah. However, there are a lot of issues with this representation of a witch. Obviously, it plays into a very anti-Semitic definitions of what witches look like. Yes. Um, she wore a whole face prosthetic for this movie yeah to give her the big pointy nose and the prominent chin and obviously then they painted her green as well i also know that she suffered she injured, injuries yeah. so she suffered a second degree burn on her face and a third degree burn on her hand mm-hmm. when she did her exit from munchkinland she had to recuperate in a hospital at home for six weeks before she could return to the set yep and she refused to have anything further to fire for the rest of the filming. Yes, yeah, so they hired a stunt double for her, and the stunt double also got burned. Yes. She was severely burned during the surrender, Dorothy. Yeah. I'm, I'm laughing. It's awful that they, they didn't learn from this. And it's one of those films that, you know, is iconic and obviously lives forever. But there's so much about this. Like, you know, we're not going to talk about all the weird conspiracy theories or like, you know, the weird easter eggs or the creepy pastas attached to it because they're they're they are not true they are just theories but when you have things like this and you have margaret hamilton saying i won't sue because i know how this business works and i would never work again i will return to work on one condition no more fireworks Mm -hmm. you know that in itself is atrocious yeah that that was a system she was in like i want this role and I'm going to do this, and arguably I should do this, but I'm not going to because I'd rather continue working. Mm-hmm. It's atrocious. Yeah, she actually plays three roles in this film. Okay. Yeah, and we'll see when we watch it. But yes, so we have sort of our main cast now. They also brought on all the actors that were going to be playing Dorothy's aunt and uncle. Yep. We have the cast that they brought in to play the Aussians and all of our lovely animal cast. Yes. Because we get the wonderful Toto, who I love. He's he will bless dog. the rains down in Africa. We also have yes. Billy Burke as Terry. Galinda. Mm-hmm. And she was married to Florence Ziegfeld. Yeah. Who obviously had the Ziegfeld follies. Mm-hmm. She's very, very cool. Yeah. All of these people know each other. <laughs> yeah, it's all very, very interrelated. So I'm, I'm excited to see how this is aged. Especially because, like, you know the twists in this one. Mm-hmm. Like, spoiler alert for a film that's been around since 1939. Yeah. It's all for nothing. Because the wizard is not a wizard. Yes. And it's going to be interesting re-watching this, knowing that. You know, like, is this, you know, some, some films I feel like narratively only work the once. Mm-hmm. Like I could imagine, I can't. I can't go back into the moment I learned that and, and being like, "Oh wow, that's amazing." Yeah. But like, can you imagine this wonderful world? And then you're like, "Oh, oh my god, that's awful." Especially in a world of magic. Yeah. That this great magnificent wizard is a fraud, but you know, hmm. it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, what's that in the distance, Drew? I think, oh my God, it's a twister. All right. Okay. I thought you were going for flying monkeys. No, it's a twister. We're about to leave our black and white existence. Okay. And we're going to end up our flat crushing a witch. 
Mm-hmm. Hopefully not Galinda. Not Galinda. And we're going to go follow the yellow brick road. And yes, hopefully we will return. And there's no place like home after all. Yes. After the intermission. Give your heels a click and we'll be off. <laughs> See you very, very shortly. Returned home to the sapia-toned part of the world. Yes. And you were there. And, and you. you were there. And you. And you. I, I don't know if we've actually been on an adventure so much as suffered serious head trauma. Isn't it the same thing? It's a matter of perspective. There's a lot in this that I do not remember. Mm. The only reason I remember the poppies, for instance, is because we covered the whiz. And there's, I, I remember with the whiz, I was like, why is this happening? Why is this happening? And you're like, yeah, because they go through the poppy fields. I was like, I do not remember that. I remembered it. But I didn't remember spending as much time in Kansas. I thought it was a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember kind of everything that happens in Kansas beforehand. I also thought that. I remembered everything that happened, but I thought it happened quicker. Yes. It takes us a long time to get to Oz. It really, really does. I also, and this one sounds really, really obvious considering how famous the whole And You Were There, And You Were There is. I had completely forgotten (laughs) that... Tin Man, Scarecrow, Cowardly Lion, Wicked Witch, Oz are all representations of people Dorothy has met or knows in the real world. Yes, but you didn't think they were played by the same actor. What do you mean? You said to me when we were watching it, you were like, oh, it's the same guy. I was like, yes. Yeah, for Oz. Yeah. As is on the farm. Yeah, but it was more just like I completely forgot that. So, yeah, I was completely shocked that I didn't realise they were playing the same characters. Right, okay. Like, that's not something I thought of from my youth. It's like when I learnt that Mike Myers wasn't just Austin Powers, but he was also Doctor Evil. I was like, what? <laughs> you know? And because, like, I'd have watched this as a very, very young child. Yeah. I didn't think that was something that would happen. Mm-hmm. And I think with Margaret Hamilton as whatever, like Mrs. Gulch, it's very, very obvious. But with the rest of them, it's not so obvious. Yeah. So we have Zeke, Hunk and Hickory, who are the farmhands at this farm. Zeke is the Cowardly Lion, Hunk is the Scarecrow and Hickory is the Tin Man. Yeah. I love the overture that this starts with. I think this is a very real overture. It hints at the songs without giving me too much of them. And it feels very classical, you know, Hollywood movie musical. Mm -hmm. And we also had a nice dedication. We watched the 75th anniversary edition of this. Yes. There's a nice dedication to the young in heart. Mm 
Yes. The young at heart, this one's for you kind of thing. Yeah. It's nice. Very, very nice. And we start in sepia tone. Mm -hmm. Dorothy is concerned because someone threatened Toto. Yes, indeed. Dorothy comes across very pathetic. She's supposed to be like between nine and maybe at a push like 14. Yeah. But like nobody talks about Dorothy being quite a wet like weak character at times like yeah and actually is that more because it goes above like this is your entry level Dorothy but there's so many more versions of Dorothy after this Mm. that people just like forget that she's kind of petulant and annoying well it's really funny because in um the sequel which is the the official sequel to this is Return to Oz which is the one with the the absolutely terrifying guys on wheels yeah. which I remember having nightmares about as a child and the ventriloquist dummy as well no okay no the dummy is in the whiz okay the the two puppets they gave me nightmares but no in the in the return to oz you have the witch is capable of taking off her own head Oh yeah, and so she she puts different faces on all the time. She like keeps them all in glass cases. It's absolutely horrifying. Yeah. But they cast a younger actress as Dorothy, and she's way more proactive in her own story in that one compared to this, because she does sort of just go along with whatever. Yeah, and this is the thing: is like she's like, oh, oh, so it's gonna get Toto because he chased a cat. Oh, it's the worst thing ever. Oh, you know, it's like because she chased a cat. It was Mrs. Gulch's cat, I thought. It was Mrs. Gulch's cat, but that's not why he's going to get taken away. It's because he bit Mrs. Gulch. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. But, like, Dorothy's all, like, so being proactive about it. And this is, I think, one of the things that's quite, like, a contrast for me is I remembered her being far more, like, can-do about things. And, like, our introduction to her is like, oh, oh, woe is me, woe is me. It's just very, very weird. Yeah. So yes, she shows up. I think you're thinking of Alice, to be honest. Yes, possibly. I think the pair of them like kind of become amalgamated. Yeah. The aunt and uncle aren't overly worried, mostly because the chickens need incubating. So Dorothy picks up a whole chicken and holds it to her face. It's it's a chick. It's a little baby chick. And she holds it up to her cheek and just holds it. And this poor little chick's just sat there like me. I honestly thought she was going to put it in her mouth. The way like she picks it up and is holding it. It's like she's going to put it in her mouth to incubate. Hello, uncle, uncle. You know, she's trying to speak with the chicken in her mouth. <laughs> but yes, she goes... There's and actually she... a line, there's a song that, that covers this part in the stage musical where she sings, Nobody understands me, nobody even listens, should have been born a chicken. Because <laughs> then they'd pay attention to her, which I kind of love. That is really, really fun. Actually I don't think this area needs a song, with the exception of the one we get. Yeah. I, I like it and I, I think this does enough at kind of setting the terms really, really well. I like that she, you know, she talks with Hunk and he gives good advice. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she claims that he's not listening to her, which I, I was just like, oh, my God, Dorothy, just listen to yourself. He says, use your brains. And Zeke says, find your courage. And I was like, "Ha!" Huh, I sense a theme. And at this point, I hadn't yet twigged mm-hmm. who they were. My favourite bit in all of this is with the bit where Dorothy falls into the pig pen and they have to quickly rush her out because the pigs are legitimately going to eat her. They will eat her if she's in there, yeah. Right. Um, that's uh, Judy Garland's stunt double. 
Judy Garland's like, I am going nowhere near these pigs. Her stand double didn't do a whole lot, but it is mostly falling into things. Yeah. And running occasionally. Judy Garland doesn't run. It's not her fault. Judy Garland could not run because the shoes that she was wearing were so painful to wear that she couldn't wear them between shots. Yeah. She would take them off. If there was a shot where you only needed to see her head, she would take them off to stand on her tiptoes because she couldn't wear them for longer than she needed to. The good old days where there wasn't child labour laws. Yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, so this whole thing culminates really nicely. She's very much like, no one listens to me. No one cares. Oh, poor Toto. And then she sings Over the Rainbow. You know, you get what you wish for, Dorothy. Yeah. And I, I, I noticed during this bit here, like, you've obviously got, like, a backdrop of Kansas. Mm. But they've actually built a really nice set for the farm in here. And the set dressing was really good. Like, they actually had the animals and it looked very real. Yeah. Whoever whoever was working for MGM creating that did a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. But what I like here during this song as well is that as Dorothy's singing, Toto's like up on this like shelf thing and just has his little pour out shelf begging. thing. It's like a burnt out tractor. Yeah, whatever. The chair of it. But like he just has his pour out begging. You can just tell that the person off stage is like just like still. I know. Terry's such a good dog. Such a good dog. She's so cute. So we get over the rainbow, you know, it's, it is what it is. It's one of the most iconic songs ever. It's very well performed here. Mm-hmm. It's nothing special. It kind of was at the time. Yeah, no, by modern standards, it you know, would you say it ranks up there? No, but it really is a great song. Yeah. It just, I think, you know, for this era, it's beautiful. And I love it. This isn't me critiquing it at all. But again, like, it doesn't really build mm. this version, certainly. Compared to the one in uh, the stage show. Yeah. Or the... Uh, I like the... The TV show. I like the ukulele one. Oh, I hate the ukulele one. No <laughs> disrespect to... Well, I mean, the only one I can think of is the Mr. Schuster one, and I hate it. But I know there's an actual singer who did the ukulele remix, and I don't like it. I like that one. I don't like that the lyrics are in the wrong place. It bothers me. Where trouble melts like lemon drops, and high above the chimney tops. It's a, it's a really cute song, and it is like, you know, Dorothy doesn't want this world, and it's a really good song for this point in time. But again, I didn't remember it happened here. I thought this was a song in Oz. So I was like, huh. Mm. A little bit early. I thought this was like her, there's no place like home that she wanted to go back over the rainbow. It makes no sense why she doesn't sing it again at the end. But yeah. We meet Mrs. Gulch. And I'm like, she's also the witch. Because you hear the... Which is a great bit of music. Like a really lovely bit of like orchestration. It sums up this character. Everything you need to know about the Wicked Witch slash Miss Gulch mm-hmm. in that song. I love it. And this is when I also was like, oh, right. Okay, so Hunk, Zeke and Hickory will also play the Tin Man Scarecrow in the line, respectively, whatever. Yeah. I never knew. And that's why they're going on about, you need some courage or just listen to your brain. Or, you know, have a, a brain heart. Use it, why don't you? Yeah. No one mentioned heart at this point, though. Oh, no, uh... Hickory says, is it Hickory that's the, God, it's so hard to keep these names straight. Well, yeah, Hickory is the Tin Man. Hick, when she falls into the pen, he says, you look like you almost gave Zeke a heart attack. Okay. <laughs> like, that's it. I was going to say, because there's no, I didn't pick up on a reference to the hearts. 
But Miss Gulch has a piece of paper that legally says she can take Toto. It makes no sense. Because if she's been to the sheriff's office, she's like, this dog bit me, he's dangerous. Okay. Mm-hmm. The sheriff should be coming to pick up the dog. <laughs> no. What is she going to do with this dog? Miss Gulch is like, no, let me do it. Let me do it. I'll save you a job, chef. Let me do it. And the sheriff's like, oh, Because surely okay. you'd just be like, well, it bit you once. You really want to be the one to come and take it away? It's probably going to bite you again. Yeah. I, I, so, so, so this bit's really fun because like Dorothy's like sobbing. It's like, no, no. She tells Mrs. Gulch, uh, Miss Gulch, sorry, that uh, she'll bite her herself. Yeah. And she starts crying and Miss Gulch is just like, whatever. And then you have Auntie M who's like, oh, I have, there's a word for you. But being a Christian woman, I can't say it. Yeah. I love that line. Good for you, Auntie M. Yeah. And she kind of stands up to Miss Gulch. But they can't go against the law. Yeah. So yeah. obviously, if it was just Miss Gulch showing up, they probably have told her to go away. Yeah. Because like we had um, Uncle Henry making fun of her. Yeah. When she got to the gate before and saying, Miss Gulch says something about being bit, and Uncle Henry's like, Dorothy bit you. And he knows full <laughs> well that Dorothy didn't bite her. He's just uh, trying to wind her up. Nobody likes this woman. Yeah. And Toto gets put in her little basket, and she she cycles off, but doesn't notice that. She you hasn't know, locked both sides of the basket. Yeah. yeah. So Taito gets out, jumps off like a good dog and runs home to Dorothy, mm-hmm. who resolves to run away because nobody else loves her. Yep. And they'll start a new life together, just her and Taito. Mm-hmm. And this is when we meet Professor Marvel. Charlotte and Fortune Teller. Yes. Who does... I, I really remember as a kid being like, wow, he can tell exactly what's up with her. That's amazing. And as an adult, I'm like, oh, this is like, he's met teenagers before. He's met teenagers before. <laughs> yeah. like It's great. Yeah. He's, he's very... like, no, but let me guess. Nobody understands you. And you run away because you want to see new places and have adventures. Oh, I see a woman. And she looks really, really sad. Oh, that's my Auntie M. Well, your Auntie M looks very, very sad. Oh, she looks like she's going to die. If she's so upset. You know, like, really, like, as a child, you're like... How do you know all this? Yeah. What magic do you have? And I think it would make a little bit more sense if Dorothy was a, just a touch younger, but, you know. I never I, I never cared so much that it's Judy Garland. Age-wise, I think it's okay. I She's certainly she makes... a heck of a lot better than The Wiz. Yeah, casting a 30-year-old. Yeah. But I think there are some instances where you're like, wow, Dorothy's really thick. <laughs> Oh, she's like the most sheltered teenager ever. Yeah. So I I, I like the bit where Professor Marvel is like, I think he said Captain Marvel. Huh. I really like the bit where Professor Marvel is cooking the sausages and Toto just takes one and Dorothy tries to tell Toto off. And she's like, oh no, Toto, that's not polite. We haven't been asked yet. And he just laughs off. He's like, it doesn't matter. And, you know, Dorothy wants Professor Marvel to take her on his journeys. He goes, well, maybe, but I need to consult with the, the crystal ball first. Yes. Apparently the crystal ball's the same one that foresaw the fall of Antony and Cleopatra as well. Wonderful. I mean, can I have some proof? I don't can think Dorothy me? would know who they were. <laughs> yeah. Can you show me this lineage, please? Yeah. But so he sees Auntie M crying yeah. because... She's looking for Dorothy because Dorothy's run away and Dorothy's so upset that she has to run home. This whole, That whole sequence, I didn't remember. I was like, what? I did not remember it from my yeah. youth at all. 
my face. It's the, it's the thing that basically prompts Dorothy to spend the whole time trying to get home to Auntie M. Because she thinks Auntie M is like is sad. sick because she's so sad, yeah. Sick with... Whereas she hasn't even noticed that Dorothy's left. Like, that's the funny thing. Well, she does in a minute because it's actually really sad. Yeah. I like this bit. So as they leave, Professor Marvel <laughs> comes out of his little hut and he says... I thought you were coming with me. Yeah, but then he goes, there's a storm blowing up a whopper, Sylvester, as he talks to his horse. And I think that's a better line than there's a storm coming, Harry. I liked that one. I'm going to say it from now on. There's a storm blowing up a whopper. The twister in the the background does look quite scary. Do you know what it is? What? It is lengths of the stuff that tights are made out of, like pantyhose, Mm -hmm. and... Like all swirled together really, really quickly yeah. with a, a hoop at the top. So you just spin it as quickly as you can. It looks like a twister. It, do, it did look scary. It's very it really well did look intimidating. Like obviously everything flying on the set was very effectively done. I think mm-hmm. Judy Garland nearly got hit by a few things a few times, which is funny. That's also not her. No, the door to the house blows off as everyone like hides in the shelter. They're all hiding in there. Look, you know, Auntie Emma shouting for Dorothy, yeah, Dorothy. The guys are dragging Auntie Emma down into yeah. the tornado shelter because she won't go down herself because she's trying to find Dorothy. Do we ever learn where Dorothy's parents are in the book? I don't think so. Well, so. So Dorothy's based on a real girl. Yes. Whose surname was not Gail, but I believe. Uh gauge yeah she was the <laughs> this is so hard to explain she was l frank Baum's niece yeah it was his wife's brother's daughter yeah yeah so she was born in 90... 1898 and she died when she was five months old And so he was just finishing writing The Wonderful Wizard of Oz and he changed the name of the character to Dorothy and changed her last name to Gail um, to honour her. So in the book, she just doesn't have parents because... Reasons. Reasons. Doesn't. Yeah, she just doesn't. Maybe Auntie M is secretly her, her mum. Maybe, but that wouldn't have been a problem because she's married. No, I mean... I just wondered if, if we ever learn where her parents are. She's here with her aunt and her uncle. Maybe she's just working a season in Kansas, you know. But, like, the whole point is there's no place like home, so this is her home. And, yeah, Auntie M's response isn't what you typically expect of, like, you know, an auntie character in media. Like, it is a far more pained thing. Like you say, like, it is really sad watching her get dragged into the shelter the only story that covers where her parents are is the Wiz. Um, and in the Wiz, they say that she was originally from Omaha and her parents died in an accident. Yeah. But yeah, nobody else cares, apparently. So Dorothy tries to get into the shelter. She goes into the house. She's screaming, is anyone there? Is anyone there? And then mm-hmm. she goes to the shelter. Can't open it because they've naturally shut it up at this point. Yeah. Then she goes back in and she's like, what are we going to do, Toto? Mm. She gets hit in the head with a window. Yeah, window blows off, hits her in the head. She goes down onto the bed. Yeah. And then... And we see, you know, the house flying away sequence. Yes. And in the air, we see multiple weird characters. We have a cow. I really like the music in this bit. Bow, 
Like I really like the music to this bit here. It's a really, really fun sequence. And yeah, you get the cow. The guys in the boat. Yep. And and then you see just Mrs. Gulch cycling her bike manically. And she morphs before our very eyes into the Wicked Witch of the West on the broom. No. She turns into the Wicked Witch of the East on the broom. She's got the silver slippers on. Oh. But because it's in black and white, oh, sapia rather, you can just see them glinting. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so she plays both of them. <laughs> right, because you said before she plays three characters, and I was like, she only plays two characters. She's both of the witches. Fair enough. Cool. So, yeah, she's flying through the air, and then the house hits her, and we land in Kansas. Yeah. Not Kansas. We're not in Kansas anymore. Uh, Famously. We land in Oz. Yeah. My favourite bit here is I just love the little miniature home dropping. Oh, there are some really good miniatures in this. I love the house. The house is hilarious. Where will it land? On a witch. Much good land. (laughs) And yeah, I really like that as Rosalie stands up and opens the door. That, that transformation into the, the colour is very, 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 very cool. And there's almost an element of, I wish there was no songs in Kansas, that the songs only began in Oz. Yeah, but nobody else sings in Kansas, it's just Dorothy. No, I know. But like I, I, I feel like that would have been a really nice starter point for like the songs with the colour. Yeah. But yes, we get the Munchkinland Medley. Yes. Which is loads of different songs. We just kept it as the Munchkinland Medley. There's loads of songs. We get the iconic line. uh, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. We must be over the rainbow. Mm -hmm. And a bubble shows up and I shouted, pop it. So I wonder what happened. (laughs) Galinda dies. Yeah, that's it's one of my favorite things at the beginning of Wicked is that when Glinda appears in her bubble, there's, yeah, bubbles, uh, yeah, there's little bubbles that come out onto the stage in her. It's good to see me, isn't it? So I was like, yes, it is. Watching this does make me want to go back and see Wicked. Mm. But yes, uh, Glinda, I would love to be the ensemble member in Wicked who gets to play Dorothy. I always think that's really fun. Well, it's because they legally can't mention Dorothy because Dorothy's owned by Disney, isn't it? Or MGM. Whoever MGM belongs to now. No, because Disney bought the rights to The Wizard of Oz, the film stuff, because they produced Return to Oz. Did they? Yeah. That's interesting. So I'm pretty certain, and I could be wrong, and you know, tweet me if I'm wrong. I'm I'm pretty certain, because Return to Oz is on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, but The Wizard isn't. Yeah, but that's because Disney bought the film rights, which is why they were able to do Oz the Great and Powerful. Oh, uh, okay, that makes sense. So, because Wicked is going to be a universal property... Mm. They're going to have to be so careful. Maybe they'll get permission. But the whole thing in the in the Wicked, the whole thing in Wicked is that you don't ever see Dorothy. Really. No, you just hear that she's going through things and there's like news of this girl that brings hope. And you have her shouting down into the basement at her. Yeah. Yeah. And I like how it's done. I think they, I, I don't think, feel like Wicked misses out for not having Dorothy. Yeah. But I do think it's like interesting isn't it Mm -hmm. galinda asks if dorothy is a good witch or a bad witch she says no and then she asks if toto is a witch well then is he the witch i I said (laughs) she's like are you a good witch or a bad witch i just put or a sandwich a sandwich 
which is the witches in the deserts for those of you who aren't aware <laughs> i'm a sandwich <laughs> um yeah and so dorothy says that she's not a witch and the witches are ugly yeah old and ugly and that prompts some giggles from the, from the munchkins and Galinda then explains that she's good and that good equals pretty, bad equals ugly. And Dorothy's a little like, oh, oops. Yeah. She's like, oh, I'm sorry. I I dislike Linda's singing. Like come it, out, come out. It's oh, oh, out. You know, like it's, She's doing a lot of vibrato. Yeah, yeah, I don't like the vibrato in the voice, I have to admit. I think Galinda looks great in her costume. It's very of the time. And like her presence. Great. Yeah, it's that of the time I singing. I love her dress. I'm yeah. not keen on the shoulder pads, but the rest yeah. of it, love it. I like Dorothy's song in this the bit. The began to pitch. Yeah. Do, 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 do. And I really like the rhythm of it. I think that's really, really fun. And suddenly the hinges started to unhitch. I like that song. Yeah, yeah I remember good. that one. I remember yeah. that. The costumes for the Munchkins were great. But what I'm not... A lot better oh than God, mine we anyway. We didn't talk about Dorothy's transformation. No, we didn't. Yeah, so when Dorothy walks out of her house and into the glorious Technicolor of Oz, it's not... Judy Garland in the house in Sapia. Is it not? No. <laughs> so what they tried to do initially was they were going to have Judy Garland just walk, like in her blue Oz dress, walk out into Oz where it's all colourful outside and then hand paint every single frame of footage that from that point to her going into colour by hand so they would be painted Sapia. It didn't work painting it they had to reshoot it because yeah. the painting it didn't work and then one of the set dresses was like we could just paint the house sapia and so they did that instead <laughs> they That's painted the cool. inside of the house so that everything in there was sapia then they had uh judy garland's stunt double wear the sapia dress and walk out and as the camera goes through the door judy garland just steps in front That's of the very, camera very cool. walks into oz i like that i like when you hear these like cute little tricks cute little tricks yeah, yeah. the little, little hacks the issue I have with the Munchkins, there's a lot of issues I have with the Munchkins. <laughs> yep. But I think very specifically is they don't know if they're pitching them as children or adults. You can tell which ones are supposed to be adults. Like there's the the bowl of Munchkins who are asleep that look like little pink flowers. But they're like, clearly supposed to be child Munchkins. But even with like their voices, like the whole thing is they're all very much like trying to sound like juvenile. Yeah. And the way they've adjusted the pitch. It is like they're just trying to be... They sound like the mice from Cinderella. Yeah, exactly. And I think... And the Munchkins don't actually sing for themselves. They were dubbed by professional singers. Because the majority of this cast of the Munchkins aren't actually from America. The Most of them are from Europe. Yes. So they are a group of professional performers who worked for a man called Leo Singer, who gave his name to their group. I'm not going to say what it is because it contains a slur. But they all are actors who are dwarves and they were hired for this. And at the time, the majority of them were Jewish. This is a great opportunity for them to get out of Europe and go to America. Yes. So they took the job and there were actually only two munchkins that speak with their own voices. Uh, the ones who give Dorothy the flowers actually comes after the carriage. Yeah. We get number one single ding dong, the witch is dead. Yep. 
lovely triumphant song. I really do like it. Like, sing it high, sing it low. Let them know the wicked witch is dead. She's gone where the goblins go. Below, 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 yo-ho. It's, you know, it is. You feel. So how come you know all the words to that? I've had to sing it. Because you're a munchkin. <laughs> but they're like, and I remember this bit as well. Like, I, I didn't remember it until it happened. Mm-hmm. They're like, you know, they sing about how we can't legally recognise she's dead until someone's, like, actually confirmed it. And then the coroner's like, I can confirm she She's is Karen. I must thoroughly examine her. her. <laughs> yeah. She's legally and... And at... he says, and she's not only really dead, she's, she's... legally something dead. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, I like that. He confirms it and they go back celebrating... The, and the, the different beats of the all these little songs in the Munchkinland medley are so good because you're just like on this little ride of songs. It's really nice. Yeah. Uh, you get the Lullaby Guild, who are just kind of like ballet dancers. Yeah, very cool. They're the ones that they're the ones that I was like, they're maybe children. Yes, Munchkins because they were the ones that were all asleep. Yeah, and somehow slept through a house landing on somebody in their town, but you know. And then you get the Lollipop Guild, the Lollipop Guild, the Lollipop Guild. We represent the Lollipop Guild. Yeah. She really really on all the different... Were you a Lollipop Guild member? All the different trade unions coming forward and, like, pledging their allegiance Mm -hmm. to... uh, The Thieves Guild is secretly, like, picking the pocket of Dorothy. They rolled for stealth. It was successful. Thieves Guild. Yeah. Okay. Thieves Guild are the bane of my life right now. Well, I say that. I live in fear of them as a card-carrying member of them in my D&D party. Yes, indeed. A bomb goes off and then there's red smoke and it beckons the Wicked Witch of the West. Yes, this is where the actress got injured. Yes. And she says... Or, or we learn that she's worse than her sister. Yes. And... She goes to try and get the shoes off of her sister because they're magic shoes. She's like, the slippers, they're gone. Yeah, and now they're on Dorothy. Yes. And, like, the legs fell back. Like I love this. They curl up. Yeah. yeah. I think, again, this is one where Wicked really changes the story. Like, the whole idea that... Wicked has one of the best lines to do with this act- event, which is that Elphaba's like, who goes around taking the shoes off of dead people anyway? Yeah. <laughs> True. Oh, Dorothy doesn't actually take them. Like, famously forgotten. I thought Dorothy actually went and was like, mm, I'll take these shoes. And puts them on. No, she doesn't. They magically onto, onto her. her. But, you know, even just... I think the... it's Glinda that does it, though, yeah. to be honest. But even the idea that, like, these were the magic sisters that helped her, her sister to walk. Mm-hmm. And she's like, my poor sister's dead. And I can at least take these shoes and make sure they don't befoul anyone again. Yeah. You know, but, you know... As we learned from Twisted, who tells the story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. Yeah. She's more intelligent than Galinda, who assumed that Toto was a witch. That's true. Galinda's like, and what is this? Is this a furry witch? Whereas <laughs> the Wicked Witch is just like, I know it's what a dog is. Dog. <laughs> yeah. Which kind I think of also Glinda fits, was joking. but it also fits with like Wicked being like you know popular, 
<laughs> Kalina being a ditz, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, you can see where that story or that development has come from, can't you? Yeah. So Dorothy needs to get out of Oz to stay safe, so she's been told she must keep the ruby slippers on at all times. Yes. Because they will keep her safe. Glinda gives her a kiss on the forehead, which protects her from harm. Because um, nobody would harm anybody that has the blessing of Glinda. Yeah. That's the thing. It's in the book. They don't actually mention it at all in the film, but yeah. she does it. And then, yeah. yes, we must follow the yellow brick road. Off Dorothy skips. And you'll follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick road. Follow the, follow the, follow the, follow the, follow the yellow brick road. Yep. Literally, that's all there is to the song. I, I thought it was... It, you thought there were choruses. Yeah, I, I know that bit. Everybody knows that bit. That's the whole song. But I thought there'd be more to the song. But, you know, it, it's a great little thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've just got to follow the road. But what the song doesn't tell you, and maybe this is the extra chorus that Dorothy... Take had, the first left at the crossroads and then... Yeah, Dorothy had skipped off before, like, the munchkins finished, like, the specific mm-hmm. directions. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a crossroad. And this is where we see the scarecrow and Toto barks at him. Mm-hmm. And... The scarecrow. Dorothy's trying to figure out which way she should go, and the scarecrow keeps saying, "Well, you could go this way." Yes. And she looks up, and he's pointing. Yeah. And she looks around, and then he says, "Although that way is very nice too." Yeah. He can't make up his mind yep. because he hasn't got a brain. Yep. Well, how can you talk? Well, a lot of people without brains do a whole lot of talking, don't you think? Yeah. I love that line. It's a really nice one. I really liked the prosthetic for his face as well, and the fact that you had like a little bag come underneath. Mm-hmm. It looked very, very seamless and was a very, very cool costume. Yes, and unfortunately... What damage did it do to the actor? <laughs> not damage. It's just, you know, when you... If you fall asleep and you you get, like, crushed sheet lines on your face, like, in your skin, he wore this every single day for the whole of filming and the prosthetic was made with a mesh in it and it left the mesh mark on his face because obviously it was pressed against his face for such a long time and it took the better part of a year... For the mesh lines to come out of his face. So thus far, what we have is an actor who has inhaled an actor who they've dust. replaced because he was so unwell. Yep, you have Dorothy who is unable to walk at times mm-hmm. because of the the shoes, and you have the scarecrow of mesh. Yes, great. I'm sure every other costume that we come across will be fine. There'll be Absolutely. no other issues, and I'm sure we'll get there. If I only had a brain, I really like his movements. Mm-hmm. And I think that if this film had been made for the first time in the 60s, yeah, Dick Van Dyke would have been the Scarecrow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this feels very much like what Dick Van Dyke's performance would go on to be. You know, yeah, that kind of vaudeville act. I really liked it. The Foley sound effects as well of the straw is great. Like the way he like shuffles himself and you hear the straw rustling. Yeah. It's very, very cool. So you know how I always played Dorothy when we did The Wizard of Oz? Was Jake the Scarecrow? No, I desperately wanted to play the Scarecrow. This is my favourite song from The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. The, the full version where it's got all of them singing. Brain, yeah. heart. The noive. Noive. <laughs> all of them together, but I love that song and I always wanted to play the... Um... Scarecrow. Scarecrow. He's my face. Fair enough. The problem is birds enjoy you too much. That's true. You're not scaring anything away. I'm a chick magnet. (laughs) He goes off with Dorothy to get a brain and, you know, he's only scared of a lit match. That's it. Nothing else scares him. So he'll be the perfect companion. And we get our first version of we're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. We hear he is a bit of a whiz, if ever a whiz there was. 
Because, 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 because. Because of the wonderful things he does. Yeah. You know, simple, but iconic. You know, mm-hmm. it's not going to win awards for best song ever written, but it does the job. It's like jubilant. It's catchy. It's easy to remember. That's what you want from a musical theatre song like of this era. Yeah. It's weird because we then we then move forward and the witch is skulking behind a tree. Like she's just there watching everything, but nothing comes of this moment. And then Dorothy's like goes to get, you know, an apple from the tree and she's like, Oh you that kind of hurts. Her. I, like, I how, don't know. How did you like me going around pulling things off of you? Yeah, right. And Dorothy's like, Oh, oh dear, and wants to start crying again by the looks of her. Mm-hmm. But then the scarecrow's like, no, don't worry, I've got a trick. Don't, I've got the perfect trick to get these apples. And he basically just, like, insults them and then they start throwing the apples. This scarecrow's got more brains than he thinks. Which is kind of the point. Yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's, it's actually a really clever trick. Mm-hmm. It's like they don't want to part with their apples, but let's make them part with their apples by insulting them. I thought that was fun. But the, the trees were terrifying. Like, yeah. Really good costumes, but scary costumes. And I like that, that, you know, we've seen a really, like, fun, colourful side to the world of Oz. Yeah. We need Dorothy to see some of the darker side of Oz so that she knows she's actually in danger. Mm. They stumble across the, the Tin Man, who is rusted still. And he has to talk through gritty teeth because he can't well, actually can. move. Well, yeah, they lube him up and he comes to life. He claims it feels wonderful to be lubed up. Mm-hmm. And the Tin Man is sad because he has no heart. Now, yes. if you have no heart, are you capable of feeling sad and emotions? Yes, but this is a me- metaphor, so that's not what he means. No, I know it is. I know it is. It is one of my favourite um, Family Guy jokes. Is where at yes, the end, you made me watch this. I said, but it is really, really funny where it's like, he gets the wizard like, and here's a heart. A, a teenager died in Kansas. And we, we say, we put you top of the donor list. And the Tin Man's like, that's not what I meant. Yeah, that's not what I meant. He goes, well, tough, you've got one. And they just throw it inside him. And they're like, and as for you with your brain, Scarecrow. Like, what yeah. does the Tin Man actually think he's going to get out of the heart? Do you just want to he learn things? He wants to be able to feel emotions. And again, doesn't realise that he's already feeling emotions. Like, I'm sad. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we get, if I only had a heart. Same exactly one as, you know, if I only had a brain. <laughs> and I like that it's the same tune. I like that it's basically the same song but changed. Mm-hmm. It's a really clever idea. You know, that. It's just, especially because I guess, you know how in your dreams you can't make up new faces, which obviously this happens here as well. Yes. I bet you can't make up original songs in your dreams either. So like Dorothy just knows this song, but she's repurposed it three times. Yeah. (laughs) I just liked it. I thought it was cool. But then there was a weird bit where his voice changed. When the Tin Man was singing, he had like a female voice. Oh, yes. It's not the Tin Man singing. So he sings, uh, picture me a balcony above, a voice sings low. And then um, the voice of Snow White answers him. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's Adriana Casalotti. 
and she was paid a thousand dollars to say this one line. Probably earned more than Judy Garland for this whole film. Yeah, probably. And she just says, "Wherefore art thou, Romeo?" So she's Juliet. Yep. Cool. Again, more really good foley for the squeaking as he moves. Yeah. good and i really like the leaning bit where he's like leaning forward and they're struggling to hold him up and they're like oh no and he just leans forward and the balance is very very cool for him yeah the actor who's playing him said that this voice that he decided on for the tin man was is the voice that he used to read bedtime stories to his children oh which incidentally his son married judy garland's daughter very cool Mm -hmm. he's worried that the wizard may not give him a heart and then before they get a chance to actually, like, you know, calm him down, the Wicked Witch shows up and she shouts at the Scarecrow, Wanna play ball? Yeah. And throws Where's a fireball, fireball at him. But then she just flies off and everyone's like, huh, I guess we're okay. Mm-hmm. Back to singing and skipping. We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful <laughs> wizard of Oz. Yeah, same as before, but, you know, I like the repetition, like, each time it gets added to. And now they're in. A dark and creepy forest. What is there in the dark and creepy forest, Drew? Lions, tigers and bears. Oh my. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. <laughs> um, back in 2000, in the wrestling, they introduced a brand new match called a TLC match. It's one of my favorite, like the match got me. Stand for what I think it stands for. Well, we'll get there in a second. Um, it's one of the first matches that made me was like, oh man, this is cool. I like wrestling now. But it was introduced. They had Mick Foley, who is like this legend in the wrestling world, come out, and he was like the the person in charge at the time, you know, in terms of storylines. And he came forth, and actually, the way he announced the match, and he said Mm -hmm. this, like, confirmed it in interviews post was a reference to the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. He did his best. He did tables and ladders and chairs. Oh, my! (laughs) And specifically did the reference to the lions and tigers, and he repeated it, you know, to do this moment really, really well, which is, you know, again, the power of the Wizard of Oz in pop culture. Would you expect to hear the Wizard of Oz cropping up in wrestling? Where I grew up is right next to a theatre, little playhouse and um we were going to see the panto there every year for my birthday um and they did the wizard of oz one year and one of my favorite jokes in the whole thing that i still remember to this day it was probably only five or six when we went to see it was that the lion kept complaining about being hungry so dorothy opened her little basket that she carries and she says well i might have some food in here let's see what have i got i have apples and lemons and pears Oh my. Yeah. And then they would throw them to each other. It was like a little juggling act of apples and lemons and pears. It was actually like really funny. That's cool. Yeah. So, okay. I like the lion costume, but I need you to tell me what's wrong with it. Mm -hmm. Because clearly every other costume has caused some kind of issue or is not like great. What is the issue with the lion costume before I I praise it? Lion costume is a lion. It's a real lion. Real actual lion it's made from. Hey, do you remember we had that lion once that we filmed for our logo? Where is its skin? Well, you know what is even worse than that? God. It weighed like over 100 pounds. And at the end of every day, 
there were two staff members who worked for MGM whose job it was just to make sure that this thing was dry for the next day and they would wring his sweat out of it. Yeah. Because, like, under theatre lighting, you know, they filmed this whole thing in a closed set and, yeah, he was absolutely boiling to death every single day. He said he lost so much weight. Oh, God, I can imagine. Sweating it does. It's a very good costume. I like the tail. I like the what they've done with the face, like his prosthetics and makeup again. Very, very cool. <sighs> Just be better if it wasn't a real one. Yeah. Do you know what they should have done for the MGM logo? Certainly in, like, subsequent re-releases. They should have filmed... The Cowardly Lion. The Cowardly Lion just stood there in the middle doing his best, like, fake roar, going... <laughs> I love the noise he makes, because he yeah. can't roar. He goes... Arruf. Arruf. Yeah, he, he starts picking a fight with the Tin Man and the Scarecrow, and he chases Toto, so Dorothy slaps him on the head, and he drops his facade uh, about being a tough guy. And Judy Garland laughed so hard... That she had to be taken away by the director and slapped to stop her from laughing. No. Oh, no. I did write the note that she tries not to laugh. Yeah. Oh, that's awful. Because she had a giggle fit. The director slapped her. Um, She was 16 when they made this film. And then she went back and did it in one take. And then they moved on. And she didn't film that scene again. Don't blame her. Oh, that's awful. Well, so the actor who plays the lion, Bert Leyer, he got interviewed after this film came out because they went on like a little release tour and they said to him, was it really fun uh, making this movie? And he said, every every single place I've gone, people have asked me if it was fun to make this movie and no, it wasn't. <laughs> it was imagine. not fun to make this movie. It was hard, hard work. Yeah, right? I can imagine. Yeah. I like the way he says, I have no courage at all. I even scare myself. So naturally they invite him. He can't sleep yep. because he can't count sheep because sheep scare him. Yep. Everything scares him. So they're going to invite him to see the wizard. And he sings, if I only had the noive. And the lyrics for this one are perhaps my favourite one. And we got a final version of the Wizard of Oz. I'm just like, okay, no more, please. I like the song. But it's quite quick, you know, in quick succession. I don't need it anymore. And luckily we never get it again. We see that the witch is watching through her crystal ball. I don't know if this one also saw the downfall of Antony and Cleopatra. Maybe just, you know. I think it's supposed to be the same crystal ball. Yeah, maybe it just saw the downfall of Samson via Delilah. But she has her flying monkey with her. Nico. How on earth have they staged the monkeys? Like, are they puppets or they're are they? actors? They're actors, okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they're named after Nico, the, the lead flying monkeys, named after the village where the, the see no evil, hear no evil monkeys come from. I didn't know how they staged them because they were moving far more than I remembered them. And I was like, how yeah, no, are they doing people. this? Okay. So the witch has a plan. She's going to poison the poppies to uh, put the five heroes in an eternal sleep. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I only remembered this bit because of the whiz. Otherwise, I'd been like, why are there poppies? Yeah. You know what there also is? Asbestos. Yes, indeed. This movie just gets better and better. So despite the fact that it had been known for several years that asbestos was incredibly dangerous... Uh, they did use grated asbestos as the snow for this scene. This is awful. You know what? 
looks really good. <laughs> That's looks... the worst part. If it looked bad, you could at least be like, why would they do that? Yeah. But it looks like it's snowing on it's them. A, well, it's the same thing, unfortunately, isn't it? It's the fact that the prosthetic for the Scarecrow looks great. The lion costume looks great. You know, the ruby slippers are iconic. Yep. All of these things are not supposed to be as good as they are. The witch's arrival looks great, and yet, yep, ah, oh, it sucks. I, I, it, it really makes me want to hate this film because, like, all the things they did to make it look so good. Yeah, the Tin Man really enjoyed his frolic in the flowers. So again, mm-hmm. I think he's already got a heart. He's he's quite okay. But Dorothy starts to feel sleepy, so she's asleep, and the Tin Man and the Scarecrow have to save her. They yell for help. They're like, we could just pick her up and carry her, but no, we'll, we'll yell for help. And Galinda sends Snow to wake her up. Yeah. Or Galinda secretly tries to kill Dorothy. Create the asbestos on her, quickly, <laughs> quickly. I'm really the Wicked Witch. No one needs to know this. Yeah. And they're safe, and the Wicked Witch of the West is angry. Mm-hmm. And we get my skip song. Easily my skip song. Optimistic Voices. You're out of the woods, you're out of the woods, you're out of the something. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like it. I didn't like the tone for it. The pitch was, was just weird. Yeah. In um in the stage show, I believe it's sung by the residents of Oz. They yeah. sing it to welcome them into Oz. So it like makes slightly more sense. But yeah, this is just... Again, I just didn't remember this one. And yeah, this is where we it, we get the miniature witch as she leaves on her broom. Yeah. And it's just like the bit in Bedknobs and Broomsticks Live where Eglantine is practicing her flying. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, yeah. very, very cool. But I thought this is great. And then we have a, a weird eccentric man says they have to knock. So they open the thing and they're like, can you, can we come in? Like, no, 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 you're absolutely, you have to knock, you have to knock. Door, bell out of order. Please yeah. knock. Yeah. That's the same actor who also plays the wizard. No. Yeah. Is it? Oh, that's actually quite funny then. So the wizard is also his guard. If you look at the IMDb, it's the same actor. Because I wanted to see if like there were any other instances of other characters. Oh, like Professor Marvel, the gatekeeper, the carriage driver and the guard. That's yeah. really funny. Because I wanted to see if Auntie M or Uncle What's-His-Face also that's... played people. That's why no one's allowed to see the wizard. Because if they did see him, they would know that... like. There's nothing to him. He's just the guard. He stands outside as well. Yeah. Okay, cool. That makes sense. I didn't know that. But yeah, it, I was curious because I was like, I just wanted to see if like Auntie M or anyone else is there at all, you know, and that's where I learned that he was also that. Mm-hmm. No one's allowed to see Great Oz, not even him, because of course. And then we get the merry old land of Oz. Yep. And everything's green, except the horse of many colours or another colour, because he's white, then purple. And then he's Clifford the Big Red Horse, and then he's yellow. Yep. And I just thought it was really funny in each scene. Like, just literally for no reason, they've pinked up this horse. It's the horse of a different colour. To get literally not even a second's worth of footage. It's actually three different horses. Okay. Um, And they dyed them. With... How God did how did they injure these horses? <laughs> this is actually the only one that's like okay, this didn't damage the person or animal in any okay, way. Okay, good. So they dyed the horses with Jello paste, 
So oh, okay, you but know if those horses were vegetarian and you have the powder to put in yeah. and you have to like add water to it, it turns into jelly. They covered the horses in that and they had to film really, really quickly because the horses would start licking it oh, off. Oh yeah, you can see them licking their lips. <laughs> yeah. That's why the horses are like so excited looking in that scene, is because they're licking their lips trying to get that <laughs> jelly. There's wash and brush up company, and everyone's getting prepared to see the wizard. Mm-hmm. So the scarecrow gets stuffed. Stuffed up here. The Tin Man gets massaged. Yep, buff buff here. <laughs> buff buff here. The Lion gets a perm. Yeah, he does. And he calls it a permanent, and I yeah. love that. And Dorothy gets makeup. And then and we have the line, can you even dye my eyes to match my gown? Yeah. And then my favourite bit is the sky writing as they go out. So they're off to the wizard. And then you see a little miniature witch doing the sky writing. To like intimidate. Well, so it's another one. Got another one. Yeah. So the stunt double for the Wicked Witch, uh, because Margaret Hamilton didn't want to do more fire stuff. Because Margaret Hamilton refused to do anything more around fire, they had her stunt double film the scene where she puts she swings her leg over the broom and then the fire comes out of the end of it, so she can take off and you see the smoke coming out of it. And on the second take, it exploded um, and permanently scarred the legs of the actress who was her stunt double. And so they then decided not to use that and they made a miniature witch on a broom. So they never even used the shot? No. Oh, no. They used a miniature witch on a broom and in reverse, in it's basically a glass tub of milk yeah with a camera underneath it filming upwards and back to front they wrote surrender dorothy in black ink that was like like drawn into the water while dragging this little miniature across the front of it of the which witch. is a really fun way to do it i actually much prefer seeing that like i think that's so funny and so clever and you just get the surrender dorothy but like to so not, maybe we should have done that first. Yeah, and also just to not then actually use this shot that actually caused this injury. I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't want to see this moment somebody's injured and scarred for the rest of their life, but then the fact that it was all for nothing. Yeah. That hurts. No one sees the wizard, even though they've been promised that they'll see the wizard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once uh, the guard hears it's this Dorothy... The guard changed their mind, which obviously again makes sense now. He's like, huh, the Wicked Witch wants The wizard Dorothy. being like, oh, I can convince this girl to go kill the Wicked Witch. Yes. And we get King of the Forest. The weird yodel he does during this is not fun. I didn't like some of the vocal choices from the lion here. Pretty sure this is the last song. It might actually be. I don't think there are any more songs. Yeah, this is in the last this, song. Right? So it's no longer a musical. For like the final few bits of this 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 show, yep. You know, and and we complain and for that reason. We'll stop here. <laughs> and we complain about like you know Disney not knowing how to end a musical nowadays, but you know, I I, I think this is one of the weaker songs, like outside of optimistic voices because it's one yeah, of the main it's characters. them just messing around, wasting time. Yes, you know the small things they do, like the interaction, like the way they pick up the green carpet. And, you know, the lion's robes are really cool. I like the way that 
you know, they smash a vase to become the crown and like the costume looks really nice. Mm -hmm. But some of the, the singing choice in this just didn't work for me. I was like, oh, that's annoying. Yeah. But they're told to come in. They go see the wizard and the wizard says, go away. Mm -hmm. And Dorothy starts to cry. Who because... dares disturb Oz, the great and powerful. Yeah. Dorothy uses her superpower, which is crying. Mm hmm. And her sob story makes the wizards guard anime cry. Yeah. You know, like, it was proper, like, over-the-top crying. So, you know, they're, they're allowed to go in and the lion is too scared to have to drag him in. And I really like the wizard's face, like, the for, for the projection. He does look great, powerful and intimidating. Yeah. You know, and... You know, the, the bit where Dorothy's like, I'm Dorothy, the small and meek. Yeah, that's really cute. Is a nice little interaction. But this is where the wizard says, yes, I will help in return for a very, very small task. Yep. Bring me the witch's broomstick. This is where the interval happens in the stage show. Yeah. That's a good point for the... And Act 2 opens with a song called We Went to See the Wizard. And it was not very fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I definitely think that's, you know, one of the other faults of this is the fact that the music just stops now for the second act mm. and i'm glad to hear that the stage show will have picked up and added more to it the bit where the lion runs away is really funny he's like ah yeah and then we go to the haunted forest sign it says i'd turn back if i was you yeah i, I like thought that. that was a really nice touch i love that the right so this is right they're all carrying different weapons the lion has a net, mm -hmm. but the scarecrow has a revolver. Yeah, he has a gun. This is a, a Mandela effect. We've talked about it before on here that some pe people collectively decide that things look like certain things and sometimes they're wrong. And this is one of those times is that people don't remember this or they do remember this and they're like, no, it's the Wizard of Oz. He can't have had a gun. That's weird. He has a gun. He has a gun. He just does. <laughs> the lion's terrified and the witch sends her monkeys to get the gang. Yeah. Fun she, fact. She never says fly my pretties. Yeah. Again, that wasn't what my fun fact was. Well, that, that's my fun fact. But, you know, again, Ma Mandela effect is everyone's like, even, you know, in... It's in the hunchback. In the hunchback of Notre Dame, when you have the, the music is fly my pretties, fly. That line is never said. Yep. What's your fun fact? My fun fact is that the two winged monkeys who come down to... Were actually winged monkeys? No. Uh, they grabbed the gang. Uh, while they were filming this scene, their rope snapped and they fell. Oh, Jesus. What more can happen? <laughs> I mean, this no, is no, worse let me than guess. Uh, this is, this is Meet Me in St. Louis. <laughs> right? Margaret Hamilton's actually going to melt at the end of this one? <laughs> oh, God. I dread to think. Yeah. The monkeys get Dorothy and they turn the scarecrow into a mess. They took my legs and they threw them over there. And they took my chest and they threw it over there. Yeah, I like that line. <laughs> I like that bit. And yeah, the Wicked Witch wants the slippers and she says, like, in return for the slippers, I will give you Toto. Yep. And, you know, she's going to drown Toto otherwise. Dorothy's just like, okay, take your stupid shoes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. But she's like, but no, because the slippers won't come off as long as you're alive. Yeah. So, you know, again, Margaret Hamilton does not lock the dog away. She's so bad when it comes to having a hostage. Yeah. Like, if you have a hostage, keep an eye on them. Mm -hmm. And Toto runs away again. Yep. <laughs> Resourceful dog. 
poor little Terry. Oh, yes. Okay, tell us what happened to poor little Terry. So the guards in the witch's castle are called the Winkies. Yeah, so we're going to see in a moment when he brings the gang. Yes, they are Aussians. And one of the Winky actors stands on Toto's leg and she breaks her foot. And it's really sad. But she did get to recuperate at Judy Garland's house for six weeks and then come back to filming. And at the end of those six weeks, Judy Garland asked Terry's real owner if she could buy her. And the owner was like, no, this dog makes more money than you do. (laughs) So no, sorry. So we're told that when the sand timer runs out of sand, Dorothy will die. Is that literally just because the Wicked Witch will come back and get her? Or is it magic? See now. (laughs) Because in a moment, there's going to be a real urgency. Like when when the gang, spoiler alert, for like 30 seconds from now, (laughs) when the gang goes to get Dorothy, she's really scared. Because like, oh, the sand timer's nearly out. Well, so I don't know whether this is like in the film yeah weird i vividly remember in the film dorothy starting to get like sleepy yeah as the timer runs out but that doesn't happen that doesn't happen so what have i seen that in maybe it's the sage show or something possibly but yeah the i would always so she, that's why she's urgent because it's that room itself like there's some some kind of spell in the, the room like poppies or something yeah so yes toto goes uh, and he finds the gang and they go to save dorothy the scarecrow tells the tin man not to cry because they have no more oil and the scarecrow comes up with a plan because he already has the brains yep and the cowardly lion is also very brave because he has some nerve already mm-hmm. and he's like we'll go we'll we'll save her and then he says but you know just what just do I? one what thing just do one thing for me and they're like yeah sure what's that and he's like talk me out of it mm-hmm. but yes the winkies show up and they get their uniforms taken by the trio yep and then yes the tin Sleep man into the castle you know, it, it has the shining. Here's Tin Man as he chops the door down. Yep. The Wicked Witch says they can't leave because the party is just starting. It happens so quickly, this, like, act two. Yeah. It's... So she sets fire to the end of her broom and then goes to light the Scarecrow on fire to yes. kill him. And one of the Winkies... And Dorothy a bucket of water. Oh, no, no. We've still got all the, the fight before that. There's a fight before that? Yeah, there's the running away. I so she says the party's going to get started. And she throws her nice sand timer at the gang. And it smashes. And then they run away. Yeah. Dorothy and the gang end up being surrounded by, like, the, the winkies. Because they go up somewhere. And then they're on top of, like, the castle gates. I might have fallen asleep. They have, like, a little Scooby-Doo-esque chase. And, yes, she then goes to set the scarecrow on fire. But it's her hubris. Because a winky... Is like, let's kill her. <laughs> gives Dorothy a bucket. Mm-hmm. Which again also makes sense to like the whole what happens with Wicked that like the witch has conduct concocted this plan, yeah, and she can just retire, and she's like, yeah, no, I'll make them think this is it, and I'll I'll just let them think this is what's happened, yeah. But the Winkies then hail Dorothy for killing the witch. There is no loyalty. It's literally like you know the aliens. The Winkies in... are her slaves. Oh, the slaves. I thought they worked for her no. from choice. No. Okay, that wasn't clear then that they were like slaves. You know, at the beginning of uh, Wicked, yeah, the safety curtain is a big map of Oz. Yeah, the Winkies lived in the land to the west, and she oh, just and went there and took over. Fair enough. Yep. 
So yes, and then they go back and Oz asks, why you're back? And Dorothy gives him the good news. And somehow the curtain behind gets caught on Toto's back. Yes, he says come back tomorrow and Toto sneaks behind the curtain and reveals the wizard. And it is a really cool moment. Like if you don't know this and you've never watched it before and you're watching this like, and you've it's, never he's heard. such a disappointment like yeah and it's such a really cool little thing and a really bold choice yeah that obviously when you know it it's almost like the sixth sense element of like it's this big spoiler i've never seen that but you know the reveal yeah everybody knows the reveal but that's what i mean in the same way with the wizard of oz i think everyone knows don't look at the man behind the curtain yeah yeah. But, you know, I'd love to go back to that point in time and rewatch this, not knowing, be able to make a big deal of it. Yeah. Because can you imagine how disappointing it would be? Like, when you, I just, I can't remember. I'd love to go back and experience the joys of that for the first time, being like, what? He's not real. Yeah. What? You know, in this land where you've got witches and magic and you've got this charlatan who's seen as the, the great a mighty wizard of oz and he pretty much immediately admits to that and says that he's a good man but a bad wizard yeah i'm a very good man just a very bad wizard and you know he's going to keep his promise he gives the scarecrow a diploma that says you have all the brains Mm -hmm. he uh it works you know the scarecrow can now do advanced physics in his brain the lion is a victim of disorganized thinking it's not cowardice it's just wisdom yeah so he gives him a medal that says the legion of courage mm-hmm. right you are you know you would not get this if you were not courage yeah and then the uh testimonial heart clock shaped like a heart for the tin man you know who already feels all the emotions yes exactly so he kept his promises and then they all say hey what about dorothy he says he'll take her home in his hot air balloon uh because he's also from kansas he used to be a carnival showman yeah convenient yep professor marvel yep the wizard uh decides to put the scarecrow in charge because he's got the, the best education of anyone in oz with the the tin man uh, and tin the man scarecrow to help him, yeah. yeah the tin man and the cowardly lion as his support mm-hmm. i you know <laughs> i love this that as the wizard flies off toto sees a, a cat you know in the crowd and gives chase and Dorothy gets out to rescue him and Oz just flies off. And again, Oz has just been useless. He's done nothing. I think it's so The funny. best thing is the Scarecrow is holding on to the rope, but not very well. No, the Scarecrow does it deliberately. He doesn't want Dorothy he just to just lets go. go of it. He's like, oh no, sorry. <laughs> and then yes, Dorothy's like, oh no, how will I get home now? And Glinda appears in glorious splendor. <laughs> and she says, you've always had the power. Yeah, and I just think you it's, just had to learn it for yourself. It's huge BS, isn't it? That like you could have always done this. <laughs> we just needed you to kill two people first, right? <laughs> that, that's exactly. It. It's like yeah, no, you could have always done this. We just used you. Yep. And just smile like Linda's. Like I'm the good witch. Like, I don't kill think, people. Yeah. You're a murderer now, Dorothy. Live with that. Yeah. You know. So she says goodbye to her friends. Oh, this is my favorite <laughs> thing. I think this is so funny. So you know we learn that the magic slips are now charged she's ready to go and she says her goodbyes and she's like i'm i'm gonna miss you tin man i'm gonna miss you cowardly lion and then she goes to the scarecrow who's literally right <laughs> right there right and there in front of them well i think i'll miss you most of all <laughs> right 
Like, okay, cheers. And again, another great family guy parody of that one. But it is so funny when you're just like, it's a very weird thing for you to say. Like, that's my last impression of you. We we all did this together. Mm -hmm. Screw you, Dorothy. You know, (laughs) the Tin Man suddenly like, oh, why did I want a heart if it's just going to get broken? Yeah. Could you imagine if that's what he said to Dorothy? Just he goes, Well, I don't really need this heart anymore now, Dorothy. Because you broke it and throws it to the ground. Mm-hmm. Um and the cowardly line's like, I'm not scared of the consequences. I'll kill you, Dorothy. Watch me. Yep. <laughs> but yes, I love it. You know, we have the no place like home, no place like home. And Dorothy no longer wakes up in magnificent technicolour. Just standard CPA, everyone's happy. Mm-hmm. And and she says, you know, oh, I was in this magical place. And Auntie M's like, oh, it was just a dream. Oh, it wasn't a dream. It was a place. And you were there. And you were there. And you were there. Mm. And, you know, <laughs> she says, she says to Auntie M, I'll never leave again. And I really wanted Auntie M to respond and going like, you left. You left. <laughs> Where did you go? Like, where were you? You left. I just think that would have been the best thing. A voice like, I didn't even notice you run away. That's how little I care. I was too busy with the chickens. I'd love if at the end of the film, we just went straight back to the start of the film. It's like, yeah, no, we was too busy with the chickens. Yep. <laughs> oh man. The Wizard of Oz for a long old film is quite an easy one to talk about. Not much happens. Yeah. It's so like formulaic, but. Did I tell you how the, um, the stage show ends? No, probably with Over the Rainbow Reprise or something. No, that's not what I mean. I mean, it's pretty much the same. You know, she wakes up in her bed. They're all like, oh, you, you hit your head on something and now you're well. And you were there and you were there and you were there. And then they all leave her because Auntie M's like, you need to rest now, dear. So they all go out of the room and the wind blows through the window and blows her cupboard open and the slippers are in her cupboard. So it's like, was it a dream? (laughs) Was it a dream? Or was it not? Who knows? Was it a dream? That's very, very cool, though. I enjoyed The Wizard of Oz. So I'm going to start by asking you, what was your best song? If I Only Had... Yeah, I put... Insert thing here. I put If I Only as my favourite song. I really liked it. And I already told you what my skip song is. It's Optimistic Voices. Yeah. Mostly because I don't think it actually adds or takes anything away from it. But mm. do you have a skip song? Um, maybe King of the Forest. I'm not a huge fan of that one. Yeah, it's not a great finale song, is it? I think everything else, all of the other songs are quite iconic. Like people recognise them as being from this. And that one's sort of the outlier. Yeah. Of like, oh yeah, that is in this. When you get to it in the film. The rest of the songs are really good and simple, but, you know, and not necessarily, like, howled up by modern standards. Yeah. But are still really simple and iconic in their simplicity. Who do you want to play? I actually don't know with this one. Assuming that you get to wear a costume that's not going to kill you. I've left it blank. I guess I'd rather be the wizard than anyone else yeah in, in this like don't get me wrong it's really fun to be like the scarecrow tin man or the cowardly lion mm-hmm. but i would love to have that, especially if you got to do all the roles that 
the wizard does in this, you know, is, is Professor Marvel and you know the guard man and the person who rides the horses, and then Oz like just have this big face, and you know, I think I'd I'd like to be Oz. Yeah. Because especially when you're like, oh, I'm just a meek and mild old man. I'm so sorry. Like, yeah. A fun little moment. As Who... opposed to the way he is in Oz the Great and Powerful, where you're like, you suck. <laughs> yeah, but that's a very deliberate choice, isn't it? And in the same way, like I, I, I feel like in Wicked, I'd like to play the wizard because he's a scumbag. Mm-hmm. You know? Wonderful. They call me wonderful. I love that song. Yeah. Great. Yes. Who would you like to play? You have two choices or three choices. Well, I played I played Dorothy enough when I was a kid. So you don't want to play I Dorothy think anymore. I I must fulfill my lifelong dream of wanting to play the Scarecrow. Yeah. I love the Scarecrow. And I really don't think it matters. Like the Scarecrow, I mean the Tin Man is called the Tin Man. Fine, whatever. Yeah, it but the, doesn't matter. the lion and the the Scarecrow, I don't think it matters. No, I think it's I matters. In the same way that I don't think it matters. I think you could easily this is my have... Podcast. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd like to be the Wicked Witch as well. Like, I think that'd be a really fun yeah. role to play. Like, I'll get you, my pretty. And <laughs> your, your little, little dog, dog too. too. I think you'd have a lot of fun with it. Yeah. Who is your MVP? So let's have most valuable performer and most valuable pet. So <laughs> quite a few, there were quite a few animal performers there in this one. There are a lot of good animal performers in this one. My favourite animal performer... I, I love Toto, however, in the background of the scene where they're walking, where, where the Tin Man joins them, yeah. there are just free-roaming birds, and there are a couple of flamingos, and also a couple of emus, There are aren't <laughs> one there? of whom tries to attack the cast as they like as they start walking away they skip off singing we're off to see the wizard and one of the emus like opens its wings and like beats them like get away from me and i love him and he's the, he's my favorite emu i mean taito for me is the most valuable pet but it's shout him. out to she the deserves pig. everything shout out to the pigs that nearly ate dorothy the pigs that nearly ate dorothy the horses that got the a colorful horses sugar. yes <laughs> yep um but i think my most valuable performer is i do think it's dorothy there's an, um, I think like it's really fun to watch this world through hers. Yeah. And I really think Dorothy's great. I but... I think my MVP has to be the trio of friends. The lion, the scarecrow. And the I, I mean, I did write Dorothy, but having hindsight, I'm going to change it to the Wicked Witch. Yeah. Because like it's iconic for a reason, because Margaret Hamilton nailed that performance. Yeah. And she really didn't want people kids to be scared of her in real life which i think is really yeah cute. but i think it is you've created a villain that has stood the test of time yeah so over on instagram 88 percent of you said yes you were fans with 12 percent of you saying no elena said that it was her first show oh and she was a poppy oh that's cute she also has an autograph from Mickey Carroll, who is one of the munchkins. Cool. We heard from Joseph Smith, who said we would watch a couple of times a year growing up until I moved out at 18. I love this movie, but I never need to see it again. There are truly <laughs> iconic scenes and songs in this, and everyone should see it for the great performances. I responded with it. It does feel like one that once you've seen it once, you don't need to see it again for a while. It is iconic. And he responded saying, I do think if you see this as a child, it's pure magic that stays, mm-hmm. but that might be outdated with today's society and tech, which I think yeah. is a really good point. Cute. Which, you know, hopefully Wicked might be Wizard of Oz for this generation. You know what I mean? Like the same story, 
but capture that magic that the you know that this film captured back in 1939 mm-hmm. uh, Tara Kabash says my fiance has never seen it so this is on our list to watch before we go and see Wicked when the tour comes to Boston which I think you do need to have seen Wizard of Oz to get Wicked without it probably not getting the full experience Which way round did you just say that? I'm sorry. You need to see Wizard of Oz to understand Wicked. I don't think you get the full experience of Wicked without Wizard of Oz. Because the whole point is the untold story. I've seen that before. I've said that before because the I think the vast majority of Wicked you could see standalone. But then the stuff like you get the Cowardly Lion, the Tin Man and the Scarecrow, you'd be like, why is this happening? Yes. But also the the stuff where this random girl shows up mm. to kill the witch and you're like why is this sudden we've never met this girl before we don't actually really get to see the actress playing her this is a really weird thing to happen so you need to have seen the wizard of oz yeah i think so and also i would like the recommend whole... that you don't read the book though yeah of wicked because um it's very uh, dark yeah. And if you've had any kind of trauma in your life, I would suggest avoiding it because it covers quite a lot of topics. Yeah. Great. So over on Twitter, 7% of people have said, I've never seen The Wizard of Oz. Mm. 3% of people said, no, sweet, no. So home, sweet home. I was quite pleased with that one. Mm-hmm. 32% of people said it's okay, but 58% of people said yes. Ding dong. The Afternoon Tune, so at Afternoon Tune, did say I'm embarrassed for never seeing this film. At CK is Killing It said love it. At Divers Pod said I love The Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. You know, this is one of those really special films that I think is a formative years of childhood and does almost become Baby's first musical. And if this is your first experience outside of an animated film with music... It's quite a like special thing. Yeah. I gave it four stars overall. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the story, you know, and the repetition and the lack of good, like, closing number let it down. Yeah. And it's nice to see it's not just modern Disney that has that problem, that that's still a problem since 1939. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's iconic for good reason. Yeah. Me did too. you, what did you think we watching it like? Did it capture that nostalgia for you, or did you were you ever left with moments where you're like, "This is not as good as I remember it." The only scene where I was like, "Okay, this is not as good as I remember it being," is the the lion's song, where I was like, "I don't remember this being this long." Yeah. Um. Or being here, I thought it was way earlier on, but you know, it's fine. Well, we've had a lot of puppy love this week. Yes, indeed. which is very, very appropriate because we're going to be covering for episode 101, mm-hmm. you know, I guess really, really start the way we mean to go on, you know, brand new triple digit numbers, you know, brand new season, as it were. It's not like we're starting season two, but it feels like we're starting season two. You know, we're going to have a brand new musical live from the new Victoria Theatre in Woking. Yes, indeed. What are we going to be watching? We're going to see the Osmonds. Which yes. I know literally nothing about. Yes, me either. I'm very, very excited to go and see it. You know, 
it is a brand new musical. That's always very, very exciting. Yeah. But it is, yeah, The Osmonds, a new musical. Now, if that is a biopic in the same vein as Jersey Boys... Which I believe it is. Will it be our first biopic on the podcast? Yes. Unless you can't, like... I can't remember back this far anymore. Unless you count Jesus and the Technicolor Dreamcoat as a biopic. Jesus and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Joseph and the Technicolor (laughs) Dreamcoat. This might be our first biopic on the uh, podcast, which is very, very very exciting. Yeah. And then the week after, we are going to be uh, introducing another new series. And we'll talk about that at the end of next week's episode. Yep. We've got some really, really exciting plans there. But we will also be bringing you on the 21st a review of everybody's talking about jamie the live theater experience Mm -hmm. which i'm really really excited we wanted to see that back in 2020 yes and then we got a chance to so that's really 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 you know fun for us and then we will be cropping up on our second year birthday we'll be you know close to our you know two years of doing this another amazing milestone but thank you to everyone as we close our hundredth episode for ever getting involved thank you to all the amazing people we have met and thank you to everybody who listens we want to hear from you message us on instagram or twitter or email us yes at it's a musical pod because we love hearing from you guys you know the only person to say that we've not really you know spoken about who's a big part of these hundred episodes for us is jared good as well so Mm -hmm. you know thank you to everyone you know, theatre flashbacks on Twitter as well. So many amazing people. Thank you for all of your interactions. And here's to the next hundred. So as always, you can find us Twitter and Instagram at It's a Musical Pod. And you can subscribe to us on a multitude of good podcasting platforms. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Google Podcasts. On the Amazon Music app under the podcast sections of the library. You can find us on Stitcher. You can find us on Good Pods. And you can find us on our OG hosts, Podbean. Yes, indeed. If you like what we do, and you know, maybe just as a special 100th episode special, why not head over and leave us a five-star review on any of those great platforms or on podchaser.com. Until next week, where we will be covering a brand new musical. Boogie and on down. Don't get the reference. No, me either. I'm just sort of going by what I've seen them wearing in their costumes. <laughs> We will see you the same bat place, same bat channel. Have a magical musical Monday.